Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, I have several guests here. I have Angela Hockman, a.k.a. Angela LaRocca, now married. Yes. To the wonderful Ben Hockman. That happened. I have Jeremy Newlick. I have Elliot Frick. Hello. And they are with Big Wide Sky, a full-service marketing agency whose mantra is to make brands more human. You are so my people. (laughs) (laughs) You are so my people. So hi, Big Wide Sky. Hi. Hi, Mish. How are you guys doing? Really good. Awesome. Can we talk about what we did last night? Sure. That sounds great. What? Let's do it. Is that, the, is that a new podcast name? Like, can we talk about what we did last night? Can we talk about Taxi that? That is a good idea. That's right. Yeah. That's I right. think that would be that would get people listening. I think let's so. Let's talk about what we did last night. Let's go ahead Ooh, and have yeah. the awkward conversation. Let's do that. Like, let's get it out there. Let's right. air it out, mm-hmm. shall we? We went to see the premiere of Angela's movie. Mm-hmm. Must Excellent fool film. everyone. That was so awesome. Thank you for all of your support during it. You were featured as a very convincing extra. Just let people know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I had to dig deep for that role. I uh, you channeled your inner coffee. It was house difficult. Patron. I had, I I spent a lot of time at coffee houses before, you really so that I could really. She's like, I'm a method that, extra. You know? Your method, and, right. Your method extra. <laughs> and of course, Jeremy extra. was prominent in the film as yes. well. Yes. Just my backside. Really. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to get backside. a side. It's my better half. It's all good. I won't tell Erica. <laughs> she already knows. It's okay. But what an awesome film and something really cool you got to do with your brother, which it seems like that was the most important part for you, right? Thank you. That was, yeah, why we did it. We said we just want to do a project together. We want to showcase our city, bring together all these creative individuals that we love and make some art and do it locally. It was mm-hmm. awesome. And Thank your mom you. and dad were, there were like, there was beams of light coming from the tears. area that they, I mean, they were just like so excited. It was awesome. It was awesome. Thanks so, so much. It was so much fun. And it was funny to watch, like to see what it looked like filming it is way different than what the final product looks like. Yes, it is. Because we have our fine editor, Dan Duffy, I think mm-hmm. we all know and adore. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to tell a story, you give it to Dan to cut it together because mm-hmm. he's just amazing. Yeah. It was Great awesome. Edit. So fun, fun. Thanks. So big, wide sky. Let's talk big, wide sky. What's new? What's happening? Elliot, you're way too quiet. Oh, sorry. Did you not have enough coffee this morning? <laughs> no, no. I have green M&Ms as per your request. I, I <laughs> and consumed a few. room temperature water. Oh, wow. Does Rider that help rules you wake up a little it's bit? It's excellent. It's excellent. Actually, Sam had to mix hot water and cold water together to make it room temperature. Because <laughs> that was all we had available <clears throat> to us. <laughs> Thank so you. good. It's I know. exceptional. I know. He's 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 really on with the temp. You wouldn't want to see a frick meltdown. That would <laughs> right. be bad. That's right. That would just Is be there such a thing as a frick meltdown? I've and... never you seem too oh, laid hardly. back for that. Or do you just like let it all just fester and then go crazy? No. Uh, let's talk about your worst characteristics <laughs> first. Let's see. Let's yeah. get those out on the table. I have my moments. I don't think that I blow up, but I definitely uh I definitely uh, brood. I like to think about things and, you know. You could stop there. Yeah. And that's it. Thinking I like to is think. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, that, that can be, what I do is I will occasionally sort of uh, download a whole string of seemingly disconnected stuff that is almost certainly disconnected from anything that the person to whom I'm speaking cares about. Right? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm demonstrating. You're doing quite <laughs> yeah. well, right? Yeah. So. But it makes for interesting conversation. Uh, well, I suppose. I think if, we should start with Heidegger. Yeah. Right. Let's go exactly. There. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, let's go. No, no. We're not going to talk about Heidegger. I've been in those like three hour long Hegel. philosophical <laughs> conversations with Elliot before. Ah, uh, well. Those are the <laughs> only kind it. I have, yeah. apparently. 30 minute podcast. Yeah. yeah. So big white sky. What's new and exciting going on there? Well, I mean, uh, I think the most exciting thing is that we are uh, finding more and more opportunity to apply uh, the stuff that we're most passionate about, uh, which involves uh, how people think about the future. Uh, and what that means for how they do what they do and how they work together. Um, but then it, the, it very neatly sort of crosses over into that question of how do people work together and how do we work together most effectively? How do we organize our collaborations in such a way so that they're um, you know, fulfilling for us and not uh, just a constant uh, sort of energy soak kind of thing? And, and, and I think uh, mainly because the the way the world is changing and everything's going on right now and the, the sort of palpable sense that everyone has that everything is maybe uh, collapsing, going to hell, mm-hmm. um, is, is uh, you know, it's got a profound effect on the way that people think about what they should be trying. The world going to hell has been great for us. Yeah. I bet. This really works yeah. in our favor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, but it does Never feel... Never crisis go It worse. does feel that way. You know? I mean, sure. you look at everything and you're like, I swear I crossed into an alternate universe at some point and I just didn't realize I had gone there. And then mm. I was like, wait, what? Why is everybody being so weird? Right? Yeah. And then you watch the news and you've got one news channel that you're going... What a bunch of wackadoodles! You know, like really, is this totally how you think? I need to work wackadoodle into my daily lexicon a lot more, and then you realize you were just watching <laughs> a mission very statement. Descriptive. It is really good. I, I meant that. I really was sincere. No, but, but I th- Elliot's right. You know, it's. Um, I think the thing that's most energizing right now at Big Wide Sky, and I, I hate to sound so kind of silly about it, but it's like finally, like. There's this sense that people are grabbing hold of the principles that we've been using for years to animate our thinking and to help people through uh, crises of vision. Anytime that there's a, there's trouble looking forward together, how do we tackle this challenge together? And we've been using the same tools we've been using, and and damn it, it's not working. You know, it's just and we just keep trying harder and harder to use the same thing, and it's not working. Right. Well, and at the risk of going too far down this sort of uh, path of describing the darkness that everybody's. <laughs> You know, on about. I mean, there there have been over the last twenty years. There have been all these profound moments where, um, you know, things that we took for granted for decades as being the way things are, and that, that they will work effectively, consistently. That we can have faith in these approaches and systems and so forth. They just one incident after another that just destroyed our faith in those things. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and you can, I mean, there's so many, but just for one example, the way in which, uh, you know, sort of conspiracy theory has always had, you know, for, for decades has had this sort of terrible name, you know, that if you believe that there's anything conspiratorial going on, there's something fundamentally wrong with you. Aliens. Aliens, yes, right. right. And, then, and, then, and then we discovered that, in fact, yes, the NSA has been listening, listening to, to every phone call that you have, and there's this massive algorithmically driven I'd kind be of less system. paranoid if people just stopped listening in on my phone. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. That, Just right. because you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to well, get you. That's right, that's right. I, I think Facebook is listening to me, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> because we're live they're on Facebook. Right, yeah. Other than we're live on it Facebook. It has every bit no, of information we're exchanging right now. I kid you right not. Now. Have you ever on your, have your, on your Facebook page, sometimes they'll say, you know, we have a new category suggestion for you. 
look on 100th Monkey Media today. Their category suggestion for 100th Monkey Media was public toilet. Mm. And huh. I was like, Facebook, did I upset you? And <laughs> Did you not and, flush? Like, and, what do we need to do? Where are all the pages for public toilets? Do people check in at these? I mean, it was, that would worry me. I had many questions. Yeah. So I think Facebook. I've been, been complaining about, about them. I've been, yeah, I've been. I've been. Well, I've been complaining about Facebook lately. Oh. I think they just went. You know what, Mish? Here you go. We'll just. There you go, Mish. That's how we feel about you right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little big brother. A little weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you might clear your search history. You might want to. Yeah. Once in a while, Elliot can show you how to cover your tracks. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> but what you guys are doing? I mean, in all reality, and it's making brands more human. Mm-hmm. And we've feel like we've lost our humanness in many ways as a as a society. Don't you feel that way? Yeah. I mean I, mean, I the, feel like there's a little less human coming out oh, right. of With my TV and of, my Twitter feed and what have you. It does a lot of, of human interaction is replaced by devices and we're so plugged in. It's like, why are we not having a conversation face-to-face when we're this close? We don't need to instant message. Like there is a connection that happens when humans are in a room together and that could get lost, but we work to bring it back. Right. That's the core. I don't care how far in the future it. we are, it's people. Sure. It is really odd, isn't it, that uh, that we feel that the, the communications that we encounter over um, our, our smart devices and through television, you know, propagated over cables and radio waves and, you know, recorded by complex machines and distributed by complex machines that it's really weird that we think that those communications aren't human. human. Isn't that strange? It's an odd, (laughs) an odd thing. Yeah. But I think the thing that is, is, um, an interesting draw for the, our approach to even questions like that, where things aren't feeling human is, uh, what are the ways in which we could have technology serve the human need? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to technology serving itself and you having to conform. Exactly. Um, there's a reversal of that Marshall McLuhan quote that, uh, that we typically have, yeah, we have shape used. our tools, and thereafter our tools shape us. Right, and so in the and future, the, other, the yeah. flip side is right. You know, rather than being made to conform to our tools, our tools should be made to conform to us. Right. So yeah, the tools can be made to conform to human need, and mm-hmm. I can interact with you on some basis, even if it's not face to face, and it can feel more human. It can be that way, and those are the systems that we're after. Those are the problems we're after. Well, for a long time, I think that everybody said about some new inventions, about some tool or whatever, when asked why. Well, because we needed a tool to do this, yeah. right? And and for the first time, we've been able, we've reached such a point in diminishing returns with these things that we've been finally moved to a place where we can ask, where when we ask why about a tool, that we can say, because there's some human need driving it, mm-hmm. right? And that's the big question. Mm-hmm. Right? Why, why does a human need this? Right. Love it. And I think that powerful question, Elliot, is what opens the door when we have these initial conversations with someone that's curious about Big Wide Sky or we think we need this. We think a new website might do this. We think we need to do X, Y, and Z. We ask why. And that we've seen in real time can unveil so much. And it usually changes the direction. It kind of serves these lovely aha moments of, oh, okay. So we always go back to the why. And I think that's an awesome foundation that you've laid. Well, why don't we take a break? And we will be right back with Big More White Sky.
Okay, we are back with Big Wide Sky. So let's talk humans. Let's talk humans. How, so when you so when you've got this client that comes, you're like, we need a new website or what have you. Really, you're taking them back and like, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about your foundation and where you are at as a company. Correct? Yeah, that's and correct. In fact, I think it's fair to say that. I mean, we so we for the marketing work that we do, our mantra is to make biz, make brands more human. Uh, but for the 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 mantra for the organization in general is to make business more human. And so we've we've really over the last you know four five years or so really morphed more and more into doing consultative work around um, how an organization looks at the future, uh, how they work together, uh, the sort of organizational design challenges that come with especially innovations or mergers or any of that. So yes, what um, what we try to do is we try to. Um, treat or deal with the fact that there are all these different disciplines involved and all these different parts of the organization involved in solving some of the challenges that companies have today. Um, and uh, you can't just leave them in silos and treat them as separate disciplines. Right. But that's not what humans do, right? Right, exactly. We are cross-pollinators. We, you know, we mix ideas together to create novel understandings. Our systems are integral. You right. know, if something affects one system of you, then it affects all your systems. Right? Exactly. Right. So it's the same way in business. If business is seen as an organism, if truly that's your belief that business is human, then organizations are organisms. And they need to be thought about in terms of the interdependence inside the system as opposed to the, um, the sort of discreteness or something, you know, which is how it's done now. We, we, we divide up all the different parts of the organization and we leave them in their own little chambers mm -hmm. and ne'er to the twain shall meet, right, kind of thing. Um, but that's not how... You know, not how humans it's not how humans work. work. All of our subsystems are deeply interdependent, mm -hmm. you know, and that's how organizations can, we believe, and should operate. Yeah, and so when I you when you do it. come to us for the website question, you know, typically what we'll do is we'll get down to the the deepest, uh, best articulated business challenge that we can find, and it may have something to do with um, we just you know as an organization we're not sure where we're headed, uh, or the 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 plan that we had is just not working out the way we thought it would, or maybe we're even growing too fast. So there's sometimes these larger business challenges, and then it's a matter of well, what what are the systems and what ways could we apply some new thinking. Um, to any of those systems that Elliot outlined between your communication systems, your the way people work together, so your organizational strategy, the technology you use to support those visions, mm -hmm. all of those questions we can bring to bear. And then how do we look forward together, you know, and um, how do we create an alignment around that vision so people feel enfranchised? And we really bring in, like you said, as humans operate, we bring in the emotions and mm -hmm. feelings. This is exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this has to be really emotional for a company. It's sneaky there's, emotional. It's, there's, it is. It's the whole <laughs> sneaky thing. Yeah. Sneaky? It is sneaky emotional. I mean, because like the, the things when you, when you deal with someone's, uh, and I think it's always been this way, when you deal with uh, questions of identity or questions of vision, um, those are things that people attach their entire humanity to, you know, and that includes your emotional nature. That includes your intellectual nature. It includes every aspect of who you are. And that's worked in very closely with the organizational development part that Jeremy touched on. That is, you have to be vulnerable when you're coming to the table. You're, it's like therapy. You're admitting, I think I need to work on X, Y, and Z. And you've got to just have that endpoint. Like, okay, this is where you are. Where do you want to be? And then how do we specifically craft your journey there? Because it's yours. We, we certainly would never come into a company and say, well, we are experts for all people, so you should do this. We're like, no, like, let's vent. Let's talk about the things. 
But it's not enough just to talk and vent. You've got to have an, an action plan behind it. Mm-hmm. Something attainable, something that everybody is on board with because alignment is really our, our overall goal. I love it. And that's got, I mean, for a company and, and the vulnerability part has got to be hard for some of those people, right? Because they, they're, you know, do you help them get there? Or do you sometimes say, the president needs therapy. <laughs> The president of this company is having issues and maybe they need to go get some extra help. I mean, do you have to go there with some of them or do you just... Well, I think, you know, I think you have, we, you have to be careful. This conversation has to be carefully met. Yes. <clears throat> just in general. And I'm not just talking about like, do you recommend that a CEO goes and gets therapy? Um, although, whatever, those things can come up. But, but what I mean is that... Uh, the the people who were the the sort of keenest observers of what was happening in business about a hundred years ago, when a lot of the systems that we're now kind of not so happy about uh, came into existence, these observers noticed that one of the chief purposes of those systems uh, was to remove from the execution of official tasks um, any human stuff, mm-hmm. you know, emotional stuff, love, hate, like. Organizational systems, management structures, and and we've tried to alter them over the last hundred years. You know, matrix management and other things. There's even stuff like holacracy out there and so forth. But the overwhelming ninety nine plus percent of all organizations use these very mechanical management models. Yes. And you can have organizational leadership that says, "Oh, well, we care about the whole person, or we care about emotions, or we care about these other things," but the system itself. Not only doesn't care about those things, it, it it militates against them, right? That the people who are the most successful in a mechanical organizational structure are the people who are the most Machiavellian, are the people who are most able to game and understand the system and work their ways into positions of power. And a, and a like uh, Arthurian leader can come in and sort of hold those those pressures at bay for a period of time, but they can't do it forever. The systems work the way they work, and so. Going in and saying, oh, well, we're going to help an organization deal with the emotional parts of the business. Well, sure. You have to be careful about saying that. Oh, and we yeah, do. Absolutely. But, most, but it's not most of what we deal with. Most companies don't know how to do it. And most organizational leaders, most, uh, most executives, most managers have, whether they know it or not, a predisposition to laugh at that kind of thing. Right? That that is not... You know, that is that is touchy-feely, that is insubstantial, right. that is not going to affect our top or bottom line in a, in a substantive way. Uh, we do this, we, we, we're willing to indulge in this kind of work because there's somebody in HR who will get very upset and, you know, make us all feel bad if we don't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Well, there's, so just to the point of, uh, that we were bringing up, you know, uh, human beings are fully integral and they have emotional systems, mm-hmm. but that is not all that human beings are. And so if we're really going to truly say that we're making business more human, that's human at all levels. And so, uh, I mean, probably the best example of this is our evaporation exercise Mm -hmm. because it does deal with emotions. It deals with uh, that level of humanity. But at the end of it, that's not what your your end goal is. Um, You know, so an evaporation deals when there is a crisis of vision, when we're not sure. There's a design challenge. We're not sure where we're headed together. Um, There's something that's you know, that's troubling. Right. And so you throw out that challenge and you allow for people, uh, stakeholders in that challenge, anybody who would need to be a part of addressing that challenge, they get uh, in a facilitated session, they get to complain about their past attempts at trying to solve that challenge, either within this organization or previously. 
So all of these complaints are are given to us. There's rules for this facilitation, mm-hmm. but it's really based on the uh, work of um, part of it anyway is based on the uh, work of Robert Keegan, who said that uh, behind every complaint is a conviction. Wrote a book called How We Talk Can Change the Way We Work. Is that right? So what that does is we can take all those complaints, use them as data, data sets, and what you'll see is that there's almost these clusters. Well, there are clusters right. of complaints around certain topics, and from those you can extract, well, here are principles. So the reason that this thing hurt from the past is that it offended some conviction you had, but the language you have ready to use to state that conviction is usually not the following are my convictions, right? It's usually this sucked when we tried to do this, <laughs> right, right? right? And there is something cathartic and emotional about that, to your point about emotion. But at the end of it, what we're really looking for is, well, then how can we all work together on a set of principles to address this challenge so that we don't fall back into the same tool set that we used before? Right. How can we winnow the possibility space of the future so we don't go to the places that we know we don't want to go? But how can we go into an arena that maybe opens up some new ideas for us? Fascinating. That's brilliant because that's exactly it. While it's true, we must deal with the fact that organizations have an aversion to yeah. dealing with these issues. Because they have an aversion to dealing with them, it means that they're going to have to deal with them mm-hmm. either by being uh, thoughtful and, and overt about doing so. Forcing people to do meditation. Or, or right. well, right. <laughs> right, right, right. Or, right. No, or I you get, end up yeah. with angry people who right. you don't know why they're disgruntled. You don't know why there's. A, right. This is what the, what's behind Drucker's thing about culture eats strategy for breakfast. Right. You can have mm-hmm. all the good intention stuff you want, but if right. people are unhappy, it will have an effect. It's that whole thing of. Don't mix business and personal, which used to always drive me crazy when yeah, I my, my little tiny stint right. in the corporate world. And yeah, <laughs> guess what? I didn't work well there. Um, <laughs> so and, weird. and part of it was I was just like, well, it is personal. I mean, I had to lay some people off one time and That's the, and really the, the human resource person is in there with me and they're like, you can't, this don't, this can't be personal mission. And I'm like, I'm going to cry. These people are awesome people. And of course it's personal. I'm about to tell them you don't have a job anymore. This that touches on a lot of personal issues. How can you? And they were like, "No, I had to be very robotic about me, Mish. I had to be very robotic about it and just be like, you are laid off. Here is what the package looks like.' Blah blah blah. And and the whole time in my head, I'm like, I am so out of here. <laughs> I cannot do this with my life. This is not Maybe a it was way their to be. Sneaky way of firing you was to make you do that. See. Mm-hmm. They were actually, they were actually thrown when, when I quit and then I, you know, they have the exit interviews and I'm like, oh, here you go. Ready? And I went through all of the, you know, the reasons why. And then like a month later, I went to lunch with some of the people that I had worked with because I loved those people. And the man who was my boss at the time was surprised that I hadn't asked him to go to lunch. And I'm like, my gosh, he's like part of the reason why I left. What, you know, it was like, how do you not get this? I did not like you. I thought you were a moron. You know? I thought this was fair. Yeah. You know, it was very interesting that in his mind, he was like, I'm a good I thought guy. Mish and I were good buddies. I'm like, yeah. oh, hell to the no. Like, it's not personal. Yeah, but. not personal, but I think you're a real jerk face. So a wackadoodle. A wackadoodle. <laughs> You're a major wackadoodle. All right, well, we're (laughs) going to take a break and we're coming back with questions. Oh, good.
And we are back with Big Wide Sky, and we are going to ask you wacky questions. Because okay. That's we're, the way we're all about wackadoodle today, right? So <laughs> right. we gotta keep we gotta keep that theme going mm-hmm. here. Um, and just f- answer it will. If you were invisible for one day, what would you do? Oh. If I were invisible for one. I personally would be worried about if I become visible and my clothes aren't aren't on me. Like, don't you have to be naked? For the invisible thing, I thought this that was supposed to be wacky. Like, aren't you supposed to just escape those kinds of questions for a moment? <laughs> yeah, like, we too. We've got to assume that everything <laughs> you logistical? eat and consume. Oh, so okay. It, oh, ooh, because that'd yeah. be gross. Because that would be kind of weird. That would be way gross. Like, ooh, what's that blob? It's <laughs> <laughs> floating it around. <laughs> so everything invisible. you touch is invisible too. All right. So what would you? Who would you go visit? What would you do? Gosh, this is tough. So tempting. This is yeah. <laughs> this is one of those questions. There, 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 was, there was a guy who, who did a, a piece that ended up on NPR about he went around and asked people whether Would you they want to fly, fly or be invisible, and right. oh. there was, there's all this uh, there's sort of moral uh, judgment that was sort of wrapped up in the decision, right? And part well, they're implied. A lot of people uh, inferred yeah. moral yeah. judgment from they it, did. right? You know that like. If I say I would be invisible, I'd rather be invisible than fly. I'm acknowledging like some sort of I have nefarious purpose for uh, this. Yeah, right. Ah. Why would you want to be invisible other than to do something that you couldn't do if you weren't invisible? Because then nobody could bother like, you for a morally. day. Morally, oh well, oh, yeah. yeah, there's that. Like that, yeah, we can just go out to the country for that, or you, know, <laughs> you don't need to be invisible. Then like, it's like I'll go to Instagram. I mean, if you're going to be invisible, you <laughs> cool. go to like the Bilderberg you go conference, to a, a place the, where you're not welcome, or where right. yeah, your entrance would not be. So you go like. Some kind of think tank, or you know, well, yeah, like, like you when, when the, the EU president is addressing the EU Parliament, you're yeah. the wet willy. You know? <laughs> or like think like of the place like you couldn't do. get into regularly. <laughs> so, like you, you might not. What is it? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I said, I, you, you, you go, you know, stand behind the EU president as he's addressing the Parliament, and you give him a wet willy. I mean, that's the kind of. That's, <laughs> that's pretty wackadoodle. That's that what is I meant to say. So wackadoodle. I don't think that we're gonna get better. All right. Are we getting hearts from that? All I mean, right. I'm done not. With, we're done with that question. <laughs> we're not. done with that. That's so it's done. So wacky. Okay. Well, see, now this one. All right. Well, so <laughs> you guys. Okay. So what? tell me the weirdest job you've ever had. Like, the, it could be Big White Sky, maybe, weirdest. right? Weirdest. It's so weird. Weirdest. No. But have you ever had, like, a job or. I've been a mascot. You were a mascot. That's right. You For were. For what team? I've been several different mascots. Really? Is this a. <laughs> thing for you <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, might, I might need therapy after this but yeah I was I was well probably the weirdest is when I would go to I worked at a Max and Irma's when I was in college and I was Irma oh. not Max um, and I would go to like you know giveaways and like um, uh, bowling uh, like non-profit fundraising things and, and I would bowl in the mascot suit and that's probably the weirdest. What job. did Irma look like? I don't know Max and Irma. I've heard of it, but I don't. I didn't know they had mascots. It's just you know, some tall woman with long hair, and oh. they <laughs> all know. assumed I, I was mean. a female based on how my arms looked. <laughs> I'm not kidding. All right, that's, that's just a fact. That's hilarious, <laughs> so, Irma. Now yeah. we're gonna have to Google that. Female arms. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have very female arms. I see. It's a goal. Yeah. And we've killed off another question. Yes. <laughs> and we've wackadoodled that one. Seriously, go? come on, Angela. You have had... <clears throat> Angela's well, got we, it, I know one, because we talked about it on one of the podcasts, which is when you were in the movie with Kevin Costner, and you were like, 
at his at the like, extra. Yes. Yeah, you were the extra, and you were like right at his armpit all day. Yes. That's kind of a weird. That's super weird, and I would not trade that for the world. Um, How's however, his armpit, by the way, awesome, like yeah. Old Spice Shaped all day. Yeah. I mean, he can smell. I don't care, but it's Costner, and he's right here. Much I'm like, more yes. masculine armpits. <laughs> He has manly arms. He's got manly arms. He could not <laughs> be Irma. Jamie. He couldn't do the Irma thing. He could thing. not. Don't mm-hmm. even like. Uh, <laughs> we're just actually the most unique role I think has been doing stand-in work on feature films. Mm-hmm. And because I'm a short individual, I would stand in a lot of times for children because they can't work these long hours and they can't do all the long rehearsals. So we were doing was it Fred Claus, and there's a whole bunch of kids that had to be under a Christmas tree opening presents, all different. Sizes, shapes, but they're all like eight and under. And I was like 30. So, um, <laughs> like the yeah. back of your head? Is no, I had to literally sit underneath the Christmas tree on the set. They're like, and action just for rehearsal and open presents and like, oh, a toy train. And oh then they say, gosh, second team, get out. Like that's stand ins. And then first team is the actual actors. So then like an eight year old would come in. And so that was kind of cool. So oh my gosh, that's hilarious. A few the times, was yeah. The actor, and you were the right, right. I'd have to move around, open the presents, and one of them was for a film, and I had to be like laying asleep in a race car bed in these kid pajamas. I'm like, this is, but it was super comfortable. So did you have to emulate like kid movement, like ah, I went to bed. No, that's hilarious. So that's just kind of fun. So sometimes when I'm watching a movie and I think the kid's sleeping, it's like an Angela. It could be Angela. It could be. Oh, it could very person. well be. Interesting. That's so wackadoodle. Um, <laughs> Three times. <clears throat> okay. You just won a lifetime supply of the last thing that you purchased. So what? what's the last thing you purchased? What do you got a lifetime supply of? Ice cream. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Ice cream. After the movie last night, no, that's how we celebrated. Okay, gotcha. I was just, yeah, I was wondering if you were having it for breakfast, like, uh, no, which is a good idea. That was you like as you're falling asleep because we keep it classy. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. What, what kind about, of ice cream? It's too bad. It's uh, there was birthday cake flavor and peanut Ooh. butter. Peanut butter all day here. All right. So, yeah. Gotcha. How about you, I, can, that you can say. Wait, we're getting looks like I, I can't tell you what I just bought, Mish. I'm sorry. I mean, not legally. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, the last thing I bought, last thing I bought with Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, a, a lifetime supply of coffee would be nice for me. Yeah, that would that's be just good. a very so functional, productive. nice thing. So, did you not get at a all coffee? No, no, that's not. But that's good. Oh, it is. I would be super happy. I'm if it was extremely like happy about coffee my lifetime for life, supply. Mish. You're good. You're set. <laughs> yes. You live longer. The I more think coffee so. you drink, I think so it's got preservatives in it. Yeah. To keep you, you know, alive longer. It does things. Yeah. People don't know how awesome coffee is. Uh, they haven't quite unlocked that yet, no. Elliot's looking at his watch. He's like, oh my God, how much longer do I have to try to figure <laughs> out? Are you trying to figure what, out the what, last, what did last I buy? I bought. Uh, pot stickers. Oh, cool. What flavor? That would be, <laughs> that'd be really wonderful. Pork. Whatever whatever the pork yeah. pot stickers are from uh from Guabin. Yeah. You might get tired of those after a while. Well, that's a thing, right? I mean, it would ruin it. What if we were all together, so. though? Let's we were on test this theory. Coffee. Right. You could give I don't them think to friends. Get tired of them. Well, and what, 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 what counts as a lifetime? So is it like infinite <laughs> supply? Or I think it means like you could just say, X I need pot stickers and they show up. Here, yeah. like, Anytime. Snap of the finger. Just like that. Well, then yeah. that's a pretty that You could benefit. share them with I your guess. friends, though. Yeah. Like you could have instant parties, that's right? True. You, you three, because you've got the whole dinner covered. Basically. 
beverages, dessert, and food. I'm just and glad the last thing camp for a lot wasn't, yeah, like picture hangers or something. Right, like right. That would be really pathetic. Uh, <laughs> like hangers. Yeah, yeah like, hangers. Or, or something right. like you, you bought no, it at no. the dollar store. That would not be exciting. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I went to the dollar store so and I got Halloween candy. batteries. Yeah. That would have been nice. Be a dream. Right. Ooh, mm-hmm. I would dig the candy part. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, wackadoodle friends. <laughs> That's awesome. Those were my questions. Those were it. Do you want me to ask you something else weird? Sure. I could probably come up with something. I believe you can. The bonus round. Who would play? All right. Well, I was going to say who would play you in a movie, but it would be you because you could just play you in a movie, right? I guess. Wouldn't be much fun acting, though. I'm like, I like to play pretend. I don't know. Ah, It's hard to say for yourself who you would choose. I don't know. Well, it's somebody that looks like you, like, Uh, like. I look a lot like Nicole Kidman, so people (laughs) like. I mean, looking in a mirror. (laughs) One of the three name people, Michelle Geller. Sometimes I get Sarah Michelle Geller. Buffy, yeah, yeah, Buffy. Oh, slaying those vampires. You, you seem vampire slayer. That's me. That's so you. When you get down to my core, that's me. Yeah. Who would play you, Elliot? Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy. Yes, definitely Brian Dennehy. All right. Awesome. My punchline. <laughs> was that going to be you, Jeremy? Or you? I was going to say Ernest Borgnine. That's, yeah, that's All right. good. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I like Very that. cool. Denzel. Classy. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't specify which one. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any words <laughs> of wisdom to share with those companies out there that are like, wow, we we suck? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you likely don't. Other than call it big white sky, but I mean, just some things to think about. (laughs) Plastics. Plastics. One word. Put all your money (laughs) to plastics. That's right. Uh, Oh, you know that. Well, what I would say is that um, the sense that everything is that change is accelerating is real. Yeah. The sense that it is affecting your industry is real. Mm -hmm. The sense that it is affecting your business is real. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the well, the vector for a lot of that are your people. So those things are all real and must be contended with, must be dealt with. And I think the first challenge that almost all of uh, the organizations that are affected by this have to deal with is to just be able to look it squarely in the eye and say, oh, yeah, that, you know. I mean, I think there's a lot of either it won't affect me or I'll retire before it becomes a problem or whatever. That's true. And that's just maybe human nature. Maybe there's nothing you can do about that. But I believe that people can... Uh, especially younger leaders have a lot of time to be able to figure this out, to really look at the problem squarely. I think, I yeah, and, and shortly thereafter, I think the canvas that you can use that is probably the most readily available that likely you're not using in addressing that problem has something to do with how you see the future. It mm-hmm. has to do with right. what uh, what kind of visions can we can we forecast and what ways can we play and imagine new futures uh, and uh, not be so beholden to, you know, taking your strategic plan from 2017, erasing the seven, replacing it with an eight and saying that you made the new strategic plan. You don't have to keep doing the things that you've been doing. Uh, you don't have to use your conditioned response. So um, those you are free uh, in the future to forecast what it is you really want. You are free to also then analyze those futures uh, in terms of their likelihood, their plausibilities, and to create alignment around those visions of future. I love it. Maybe I'll just tie it together with a little bow when I say uh, nothing changes if nothing changes. And, you you know, together we have to move forward. I like when you said that it's all about alignment. I love it. Align that future. Thanks, Big White Sky. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for Thank having you us so much for being on the show today. To Thanks here. for the green M&Ms and room and temperature your water. M&Ms, yes, green M&Ms and, and room temperature water. You guys look happy. 
So that's oh, good. Yeah. I accomplished my goal for the day. I can go home though. <laughs> and We're simple creatures. We really are very simple creatures. Doesn't take much for big white no. stuff. You, you guys take on enough hefty things, so <laughs> you just need simple at this point. Well, thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. For everyone out there, please go to iTunes and subscribe to Mishmash. Have an awesome one. See you next time. <laughs>